Hey everybody, welcome back to the Offended America podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Wool, and we have a jam-packed show for you today. Trump has just declared Jerusalem the capital of Israel. We're going to talk about that, why it's so significant. I, I think that you know the media is kind of missing why this is a big part of achieving Middle East peace, and more importantly than achieving Middle East peace, advancing our interests in the region. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about new reports that we have that H.R. McMaster, who is currently a White House uh, advisor for national security, actually ordered and allowed the surveillance uh, through wiretaps of the Trump family before uh, before he was elected. So we have that from uh, a, a top ex-CIA source who is part of the Trump transition team. He's come out now. He works with Eric Prince of Blackwater. We're going to be talking about that and a lot more. So stay tuned. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. And let me remind you, make sure to share this podcast. If you go out and you get us one new listener, that's one new person who's getting the truth, who is learning about politics and is learning about why we feel the way we feel and what we're doing and really cutting through the media hype. So here is Trump's announcement from earlier today, declaring Jerusalem the, the undivided, unquestioned capital of the state of Israel. This decision is not intended in any way to reflect a departure from our strong commitment to facilitate a lasting peace agreement. We want an agreement that is a great deal for the Israelis and a great deal for the Palestinians. We are not taking a position of any final status issues, including the specific boundaries of the Israeli sovereignty in Jerusalem or the resolution of contested borders. Those questions are up to the parties involved. The United States remains deeply committed to helping facilitate a peace agreement that is acceptable to both sides. I intend to do everything in my power to help forge such an agreement. So there's a couple things that are, are kind of important to keep in mind here. So first of all, just from an operational logistical standpoint, the capital of Israel is Jerusalem. That's where their Knesset is, their, their parliament. That's where the, the, the president of Israel, the prime minister, rather, Benjamin Netanyahu, is based. That is where Israel's government is based. And so if you're going to have an embassy, you have to have it in Jerusalem. It's, it's just kind of basic logistics, just like the Saudi embassy to the United States is in Washington, D.C. All the embassies are in Washington, D.C., that's the way that it works. You may have a consulate in Tel Aviv because that's where the airport is. So if somebody loses their passport, they go get a, a new passport from the consulate. But it's important to have the to have the the embassy where diplomacy happens. That's the embassy's function. So moving it there is a big part of that. Just from a practical standpoint, you don't have to drive all the way across the country. It's it's quite a a long drive to get over there uh, if you need to do some kind of deal or whatever you need to do. So that's important. Uh, second of all, declaring Jerusalem the capital of Israel is significant because Trump points out in, in this speech, if you listen to the whole thing, and I recommend you do, that Israel is a sovereign nation, and as such, they have a right to declare their capital wherever they want. If they wanted their capital to be Haifa, they could do it there. If they wanted their capital uh, to be Jerusalem or Tel Aviv uh, or uh, wherever else, they can put their capital where they want it to be. Uh, that is their right as a sovereign nation, just as the United States could move our capital, if we so felt, to New York. Uh, you're allowed to do that. 
You're a sovereign nation. You can put your capital where you want to put it. So the idea that that Israel as a sovereign nation can't move their 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 capital to Jerusalem, it already is there, but the idea that we can't recognize it as such is is kind of ridiculous. And I think it's important to acknowledge that you know all of these people that come out and 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 they say this is horrible, this is this is the end, there's no legitimacy here. These people really have one agenda and one agenda only. They're anti-Semites. They don't like Jews. They don't believe in the right of a Jewish state to exist. Uh, they, they would rather the Jews not exist. Uh, and so people like Linda Sarsour, who condemned this move and said, it doesn't matter what you tell us, Jerusalem's not the capital of Israel. These people are aligned with Islamicist-type beliefs. Okay, the, the Palestinian Authority, which is a government in, in the West Bank for the Palestinian people, this is not a government, okay? This is not a government body. This is a terror organization. We are now in the process of cutting funding to the Palestinian Authority, but they have traditionally received $500 million a year from the United States and, and much more money from other countries. And they use that money to fund terrorism. So if you live in the West Bank or in, in if you live in Gaza, they have their equivalent, which is Hamas. If you live in these places and you go out and blow yourself up on a bus, they will ensure that your family is compensated. They give the families as much as a million U.S. dollars, which by their standards is you know closer to $100 million in the United States. And that's what they do. I mean, so they fund terror. They're no better than ISIS. They're no better than Al-Qaeda. And that is the sole purpose of the Palestinian Authority existing. Now, these people demand statehood. Obviously, that's, that's not a good idea. That would be like uh, giving the Taliban statehood or allowing the Islamic State Caliphate to exist. It's the same sort of idea. You do not give statehood to terrorists. You do not allow them to have the benefits of statehood, including printing money, including having a seat at the table at the UN, which they already do, even though they're not a state. So Palestinian statehood is, is not really an end that anybody who's honest wants to see in terms of the Trump camp. Now, we can say that we support a peace process and we can say that we're open to it, but it's not going to happen. And in terms of the Trump administration's ability to facilitate broader Middle East peace between Israel and the Palestinians, and that was important. Trump never called it Palestine in the speech because Palestine isn't a thing. It's not a country. It doesn't exist. So Trump was very, uh, very focused on saying Israel, which is a sovereign nation, and the Palestinians, which are, you know, they claim to be a people. They're really not. They're Jordanians when it comes to the people in the West Bank and when it comes to those in the Gaza Strip. Those are Egyptian people, Sinai people. They're they're not they're not a particular people. It's not like saying the Chinese or the Japanese. They're they're not an ethnic group. Uh, they're not a state group because they don't have statehood. Uh, so the idea that you're going to treat them as some sort of a state entity is is a ridiculous idea. So Trump understands this. Jared Kushner understands this. They have Orthodox Jews running the show in terms of the peace process. And really, if you want peace with Palestine, it's very simple. You cut off their money. You do not allow them to continue to fund terror. And you don't allow this, this persistence of terrorism to take place in the Middle East. We send the Palestinian Authority, which I just mentioned, is a terror organization, $500 million a year. If you continue to send that money, you're going to continue to have terrorism. If you want Middle East peace, it's pretty simple. Cut off the money to the terrorists. In the same way that Trump stopped sending money and weapons to ISIS and instead decided to wipe them off the face of the map, and lo and behold, they go away, we should be doing the same thing with the Palestinians. The Palestinians have no sovereign right. Uh, they have no right to uh, blackmail us. I mean, it was pretty simple. Trump called up 
Mahmoud Abbas, who is a terror kingpin and, and nothing more, even though he's been to the White House, which is rather sickening. And he told him what he was going to be doing a couple of days ago. And Abbas immediately said, this is going to result in terror. This is going to result in an intifada, a day of rage. And Friday is set to be a day of rage in the Muslim world. Now, that's just like any other day in the Muslim world, but it's a formal day of rage. And so they've set that up. And the idea that you're going to kowtow to them because they're going to commit terrorism is, is insane. It's not just negotiating with terrorists. It's being blackmailed by terrorists. It's letting terrorists win. We don't let terrorists win. We shouldn't let terrorists win. And the idea that you're going to kowtow to them and put your interests second because they threaten you with terror is an insane idea. And I think even liberals can agree on this. Even liberals should be able to agree that there are good guys and there are bad guys and there are worse guys in the Middle East. There's one group that are good guys in the region. That's Israel. Everybody else, when you talk about Saudi Arabia, when you talk about Iran, you're talking about bad guys and worse guys. And so if we just take a, a moral approach here, forget politics, forget Republican, Democrat, because, you know, you go to Israel and talk Republican, Democrat, they hardly know what you're talking about. So just think about this from a moral right and wrong standpoint. And I don't think that you can come to any other conclusion here. And now I, I've got some followers on Twitter who are, you know, rather anti-Zionist and, and they say, give Palestine statehood. Uh, no. Okay, if, I, I would encourage those people to do their own research beyond, you know, the, the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory videos that, that a lot of these people watch in order to develop anti-Israel opinions. And I mean, for instance, they, they call Israel the capital of globalists. You hear this a lot from kind of kooky people on the right. They say, well, Israel's full of globalists. The Jews, the Zionists, they're globalists. What? That, that, that's the opposite of the truth. Nobody has received more retribution, more negative action from the UN than Israel. In second place would be the United States. But nobody has received more condemnation than, uh, from the United Nations than, than, than Israel. So the idea that Israel is, is globalist is insane. Israel is nationalist. They're not globalists. The last thing they want is globalism. Some of the top drug companies, some of the top uh, innovations come out, of, come out of Israel. And the country, which was you know, formally recognized by the UN, but it existed for 3,000 plus years, this country has, has come so far that basically they're a miniature United States when it comes to innovation. They've got some of the top colleges in the world. You name it. It's a great place to be. You, you go to Israel, and I think this is part of what played into Trump's decision, is that he actually went to Jerusalem. He went to the old city, which if you haven't done that, you should before you die. And, you know, it's pretty simple. You stand in Jerusalem. You, you stand up on a high, a high point on, on a hill, uh, you know, perhaps uh, Mount Herzl, and you look to your left, and there is the fourth world. There is terrorism. There is everything that is bad in the world. And you look to your left, and there is the first world. There is Teva Pharmaceutical. There is Microsoft and everything that we hold dear. There is, there, is, there is morals, there is law and order, there is a government that functions, and you have none of that on the other side. And the excuse of the Palestinians is that they don't receive enough money, and therefore they can't make it, and you know what, just give us more money or we will commit terrorism. And it's ridiculous. And so this is the latest excuse by the Palestinians to try to foment terror in the region. But it won't be their last time, and it's certainly not their first time. They're, they've always got a reason to be to be rageful and, and angry 
this is nothing new. And thanks to Obama's uh, money to Iran, thanks to the Iran deal, which allowed Iran to come into the mainstream and, and, and basically said, Iran, here's all this money. We trust you. Groups like Hamas, groups like the Palestinian Authority, these groups are emboldened. And make no mistake, folks, these are terror groups. There's no question about it. These are terror groups. So, you know, that is something very important to remember. Now, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the Mueller probe. This this thing is quickly falling apart. Uh, it's quickly becoming a total shit show. Uh, so let's just go through what has happened so far. Number one, uh, Peter Strzok, Peter Strzok, the lawyer, has been removed from the probe. It turns out that he had sent pro pro Clinton anti Trump text messages to another member of the probe, uh, and she hasn't been removed yet. You have Janie Ree, who was a lawyer for the Clinton Foundation, who has donated sixteen thousand dollars to Democrats since two thousand eight, and donated fifty four hundred dollars to Hillary Clinton's campaign in twenty sixteen, which is the maximum possible donation that you can give her by law. Well, she's also on the team, still hasn't been removed yet. And you also have Andrew Weissman, who is Mueller's number two. Now, this is a guy who's a really shoddy lawyer. He's lost cases up and down the, up and down, uh, the country. Uh, he's been repudiated by the Supreme Court, 9-0. to zero. You know all about this guy. Well, it turns out he's also an anti-Trump stooge. And so it's quickly becoming clear that Mueller's investigation is entirely a political hack job, is entirely set up to remove Trump from the White House. And I'm just going to say it right now. If Trump doesn't remove Mueller at once, whatever comes to him, he deserves. Mueller must be removed. This guy will remove Trump from the White House if Trump doesn't remove him. It will happen. And, you know, they're going to keep going after people until they remove Trump. That's the plan by Mueller. Democrats admit it. And you've got all these people coming out. You've got every reason in the world to fire him. It's time to do it. So let's check in with Richard Painter and see what he has to say about all this. Not to hang around with the Russians. Uh, the court means business. And I think he's got to go back to the slammer if he doesn't seem to get the point on that. <laughs> so this is Richard Painter, of course. This is George Bush's uh, former ethics attorney. And this guy's an MSNBC and CNN contributor. He claims to be Republican, but he's a, a complete Democrat. This guy's really big among the alt-left. And Richard Painter is advocating for Paul Manafort being sent back to jail because he wrote an op-ed on his computer. So Mueller hacked into his computer, noticed that he was typing up an op-ed. And I guess that's not allowed because it would violate his gag order. But the problem is he never published it. Never published the op-ed, but Mueller's trying to revoke his bail and send him to the slammer, as, as Richard Painter says, because he's writing an article on Microsoft Word. Here's Richard Painter again. If the court tells you not to hang around with the Russians, uh, the court means business. And I think he's got to go back to the slammer if he doesn't seem to get... If the court tells you not to hang around with the Russians, the court means business. He's got to go back to the slammer. All right, Richard. Well, tell me this. And I've been asking this question for a long time. Who are the Russians? I, I, I can't for the life of me figure out who the Russians are. And that would be like saying the Chinese or the Kenyans. Who are they? Who are the Russians? The Russians. Any Russians? Any Russian people? Well, what does the Russians mean? I mean, hell, I'm of Russian origin uh, in terms of my lineage. Who, who are the Russians? 
if the court tells you not to hang around with the Russians, uh, the court means business. And I think he's got to go back to the slammer if he doesn't seem to get the point on that. First Amendment right to say what he wants right here, but not to hang out with Russian agents who have been conducting, many of them, uh, illegal activities inside the United States, and he's right in the middle of it. Yeah, so don't hang around with the Russians, and Richard Painter won't tell you that you're a white supremacist KKK wannabe over at Breitbart News with Steve Bannon and Sebastian Gorka, okay? So Richard Painter is just is just just yet another lunatic, and this guy says this sort of stuff on MSNBC. This was an MSNBC clip, and nobody even winces at it. I mean, they think that this is just perfectly normal uh, speech. So they're they're trying to put Paul Manafort back in jail because the probe is falling apart. They don't want Manafort to be able to defend himself, and the thing is falling apart. I mean, it's 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 time to shut it down. It's time to shut down Mueller, and frankly, it's time to have a special counsel to investigate Mueller and put him in jail and throw away the keys. I mean, this is ridiculous. There should be SWAT teams at Mueller's door th tossing him in jail. This is a political hack job. It's obstruction of justice. It's misappropriation of justice, and Mueller should be tossed in jail. It's completely out of control. It is a political coup. That is clear. I did a lot of the original reporting on uh, on on Mueller on offendedamerica.com. Turns out Mueller's got all kinds of holdings in Russian hedge funds where they don't even make him invest. They just say, "Hey, here's 10 million worth of our hedge fund. Enjoy." And and Mueller's got his his fingers all over it. Mueller's got his fingers all over the Uranium One deal where he actually flew on a private jet commissioned by the FBI to Moscow and delivered samples of highly enriched uranium two members of the Russian FSB, that's the Russian Intelligence Service, on the tarmac. This Mueller probe needs to be shut down, and it needs to be shut down now. So one of the things that, uh, that Trish Regan pointed out on her show today that I think that was uh, pretty interesting is that other presidents have, have said that they would move Israel's, uh, they, would, they would acknowledge that Israel's capital is Jerusalem and, and move the embassy there. George Bush said that, Obama said that. Of course, Congress voted for that, giving the president the order to do it back in uh, 1995. But here's, here's a clip of uh, George Bush and Barack Obama lying about what they wanted to do with the embassy. President Trump, as we said, fulfilling his campaign promise, a promise that other presidents have also made when they were candidates. Watch. As soon as I take office, I will begin the process of moving the United States ambassador to the city of Israel as chosen as its capital. Jerusalem will remain the capital of Israel and it must remain undivided. So what happened? So there's, there's Obama in 2008 saying Jerusalem will remain the capital of Israel and will be undivided. And yet when President Trump says that, it is somehow controversial. Uh, it's, it's, you know, untenable. And they want to stop him. Uh, so, you know, here's the, here's the thing. I, I think there's really no moral questions when it comes to moving the capital, uh, or, or acknowledging that the capital is Jerusalem and moving the embassy there. Um, and I think really the only questions are execution. I like that president Trump acknowledged that this is just, a, you know, him acknowledging reality. I think that's important. This isn't some, you know, groundbreaking move by the president, but rather it is simply his acknowledgement of historical and current realities. One thing that I think is is worth thinking about is that the inspector general uh, with regards to Mueller is now looking at 27 leakers. Here's a clip from Hannity last night. 
respond to that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, uh, Mr. Mueller is being treated as if he's king of the Justice Department. He's got this enormous budget. I guarantee you there's no other investigation that this Justice Department is conducting that has the resources. This is Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch. Mueller has. And uh, it's being used for what? To investigate mortgage fraud? To investigate a penny ante you know, purge? So there is Tom Fitton from Judicial Watch kind of laying out the groundwork. And Mueller revealed yesterday to try to distract from the fact that his investigation is falling apart. To try to distract from that, he basically released their budget and he spent $6.7 million on the probe in just five months of running it. Uh, so a, a tremendous amount of money. They haven't spent that much money on any other investigation this year. In fact, they spent a similar amount of money on the 9-11 commission. So other investigations haven't been nearly this expensive. And Mueller is spending all this money, and what does he get for it? Well, Paul Manafort, who is, you know, a, a lobbyist for Russia, we know that much, gets busted. Uh, you have Michael Flynn, a very honorable general, pleads guilty to lying to the FBI. You have Papadopoulos lying to the FBI. Rick Gates, same thing as, as Manafort, really. And so you don't really get much from Mueller's probe, and yet it continues. He has no oversight. He has Democrat operatives on his team. He has people like Andrew Weissman on his team who have been repeatedly repudiated by the Supreme Court, by district uh, circuit courts. And what we know is that the probe is political now. Okay, We know about Mueller's questionable past. Even the mainstream media is pointing that out. And even the Wall Street Journal yesterday is, is calling for Mueller to step down. Uh, basically, Everybody with half a brain agrees on that. In fact, I've even seen liberals like Alan Dershowitz calling for Mueller to step down. So Mueller needs to get out of town. I think that what would what should happen is this. Before we wrap up today, we got a short podcast. I want to kind of prep you for what you should prepare for for the week. I think that on Friday, I wouldn't be surprised if Trump fires Mueller. Uh, you pass tax cuts in the next week. You get them signed. They're not great. They're not God's gift to tax cuts, but they're better than nothing. And they cut taxes for most people uh, by at least a little bit. And they cut taxes for businesses a lot that create jobs. You sign tax cuts. It's Happy New Year. Uh, and then you move on to other items on the agenda. But here's what we're looking at. I mean, we're looking at a, a first year for the Trump presidency whereby you have the caliphate defeated. The Islamic State has, has been defeated. Essentially, Raqqa is non-existent, really. Uh, other parts of the Islamic State no longer exist, like Mosul, Iraq. We've wiped out ISIS there. They've been defeated. Uh, so that's done. Okay, You have the individual mandate, which will be taken out of Obamacare. So basically, defeated Obamacare. Uh, you have taxes are going to be cut. And you have... Neil Gorsuch nominated to the Supreme Court. And of course, you have the historical acknowledgement of the United States that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. That's what I call a successful year. You can call it something else. Uh, you can say that, well, I wish we would have done this or that. But we have many more years left of the Trump presidency, seven more years left of the Trump presidency. Uh, and I and I really don't think that, and by the way, I, I don't say that to be pompous. I say that because really the presidency is an eight-year affair, affair. More times than not, presidents last eight years. I think the same is going to happen here. So really, we've had a very accomplished year. Uh, President Trump has been attacked by the media. He has attacked the media himself. And he proved that you don't need the media. You don't need the deep state establishment on your side to get things done as president. 
And I think that we're going to expect a lot to come next year. I think 2018 will be the year of North Korea, unfortunately, once again. Um, I don't know if we're headed for war there. It's hard to say. My opinion has gone back and forth on that matter. And, you know, hopefully you can see the government continue to withdraw from the healthcare market. The individual mandate's been repealed. That's what we want to see. Uh, but I think that it's important that we continue the government's withdrawal from the healthcare market. You don't want the government in the healthcare market. Hopefully, 2018 brings additional cuts in regulation. Uh, that would be good if it has additional cuts in taxes. Who knows? We might get a new Supreme Court justice next year, and that would be great as well. So there's a lot of good things to look out for. The economy's performing exceptionally well. Uh, GDP growth is going to come in at around 3.8% for the fourth quarter of 2017. That's a great number. It's about double what Obama got. Obama didn't have a single year of 3% sustained GDP growth. Didn't happen under the Obama administration. So things are looking up. Things are, things are looking good in this country. And I think they're going to continue to look good. You have a couple of thorns in our side, like North Korea and Bob Mueller. Hopefully we can deal with both of those people uh, appropriately. And... You know, you have a couple a couple other challenges. You have the opioid epidemic, which hasn't been solved or even close to solved. You have the wall, which hasn't been built. You have a lot left to do. Don't get me wrong. But we've made great progress in 2017, and I think we're going to see continued progress in 2018 and 2019 and 2020 and 2021 and, and so on. So it's it's been a great year. I think it's going to continue. I think the economy is looking good. Housing is looking good. Different sectors are looking good. You know, we, we need the yield curve to stop flattening. That would be nice for the for the banking sector, at least. Uh, but things are looking up overall. And I think the, the, you, if you have a smile on your face, you're right to have a smile on your face. Uh, it's been a, an awesome year. And I think that's going to continue. So thanks for tuning in to the Offended America podcast today. We are really the, the only podcast that does what we do. We're very unique in that sense. And we need your support. So visit offendedamerica.com slash donate. We don't put any ads in the podcast. I don't want to tell you about, you know, some toothbrush or toothpick or, you know, razor brand. We are 100% supported by you. So go to offendedamerica.com slash donate. If you can afford $10 a month, if you can afford $5 a month, $100 a month, whatever it is, we have some people, they do $500 a month. We get different amounts. If you can afford it, go to uh, offendedamerica.com slash donate. You can donate with Bitcoin. You can donate with PayPal, you name it, and support the podcast. It's, it's very important. Uh, so offendedamerica.com slash donate or offendedamerica.com for news, analysis, and opinion. And support us. Follow us on Twitter at offendedamerica, at Jacob A. Wool. And I will see you guys on Friday of this week. We're Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's the schedule for this podcast from now on. And we've got some great guests coming up, some great interviews, you name it. Uh, so tune in on Friday and make sure to support us at offendedamerica.com slash donate. Thanks for listening today. This is the Offended America podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Wool.